right, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 272. Um, my name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show, and I'm here with... Ron. And John. How's everybody doing? Good, man. Good. You guys good? Good. Just uh, chugging along, man. Just another day mm. right now. Oh, man. Yeah. It's uh, strange piecing this all together and making it work just in life yeah it's, yeah 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 but it we'll get through it whatever this is whatever version of life this is whatever version of the multiverse we're in yeah right mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll work itself out are we getting some background noise on somebody's yeah, here? something it's on ronald's end somehow but uh because i just muted you ronald and it went away now, I, now i'm asking to unmute you and you can you respond by unmuting? There you go. Yeah, it's on your track, but I don't know what it That's is. That's weird. There's always a little background noise on your end, but this time I can hear it. I think this is the. I'm, a, I'm in a very open space. I mean, do you have like uh, anything? Anything? You know what? I think it's the. I think it might be the fan of the computer. Let me try putting it on something that's like. That did get quieter. I think, but that might be the sound that I'm always working around anyway. Can you hear? It's quieter. Okay, so yeah, it's definitely the computer then. This thing gets kind of loud. Oh, I don't want to back it all the way up. I'm leaving all this in the episode, by the way. This yeah. is all gold. Yeah, I start off by saying how great and smooth we were, <laughs> and then it all just went downhill. Like we just it really, really did. It, it really did. It really did. It's like we are mirroring the state of affairs in the world right now with our with our overconfidence, and then you know not necessarily doing the right thing. Right. It's, oh it's man, a, it's a common thread these days. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's it's craziness. So we wanted to talk about like the <clears throat> streaming services, the shows, the things that are going on. Yes. I, I I think this is a good kind of this is this will be the equivalent of like a grab bag episode and a news episode yeah. and a little bit of a content episode and maybe thinking, even a tech review, maybe right. even and, a tech review. And I'm going to listen and learn about a lot of that stuff because I I, I have uh, have I have I have a lot of. Uh, options before me i think right now in terms of how to get all the streaming services i want uh, on my screen but i don't always have a plan you guys are a little bit more into the gear side of it yeah um but also i think ronald you just you dug around in the last couple days and and found some stuff Mm -hmm. because i know we want to talk about an apple plus show uh in a little bit more detail that being um uh our friend ted lasso Mm -hmm. but friend of the um, pod friend of the pod Yes, friend, friend of the pod, of the Ted Lasso. But um, outside of that, yeah, I, I don't know. I, who wants to kind of start off this conversation? I, I don't know. Do we? Is there a particular piece of hardware that someone's really happy with, or that seems like it's a it's a killer piece of hardware for 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 this current moment where people might be confused? Like, I want to subscribe to all this stuff, but which services are available on which device? And yeah, and I, you know, I think I think Steve and I talk about this pretty pretty regularly. So there's there's a bunch of things, a bunch of factors that kind of play into uh, everything that's happening. So one of them is hardware um, and the services. And can you get a piece of hardware that does everything that you want it to do um, and and plays all of those services? So that that is the conflict, right? That's like the, the side note, real quick. Ron, are you doing wheelies or circles in a parking garage? I am not. So is, 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 gotta, is too fast, too furious being filmed outside your home? I was about to say it sounds okay, like so, a Tokyo Drift situation. So for real, for real, I I'm like off a major street. So just for context, <laughs> listeners, I'm all, I'm all, I'm off of a, sh- a major street in downtown Baltimore, and normally it's pretty quiet, but there there are a series of motorcycles going down the street, and uh, so it's two things. Like it's the twelve o'clock boys. Kind of they they run their route downtown sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. and that can get a little crazy. It is not stopping. No, I mean, and, and, and the listeners are just getting a, a real dose of Baltimore city life right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> or Fed so Hill, Fed sometimes Hill you life. make I don't know what it's Fed Hill. Sometimes you come outside and there's literally a man twelve o'clock riding a wheelie down the street, and there's all you can really do is admire admire the skill. Um, I mean, I, 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 I catch a little bit of that up. I'm, I'm just above where Greenmount turns into York. So every oh, now and man. then I'll hear a yeah. little bit of that 
like the the strip, especially like in the wee hours. Yes, it becomes a different world. It, it's crazy because you 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 live off of a street that's that's like a mile straight of uh, more mm-hmm. than that. But in the city, just this stretch where there's nothing going on at night that you could just kind of ride your bike mm-hmm. uncontested by the law, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, speaking of twelve o'clock boys. Uh, Charm City Kings, a uh, movie that was adapted from the 12 O'Clock Boys uh, documentary into a drama is uh, coming out pretty soon. So we should maybe see that and compare the documentary to the movie, you know, after we get a chance to see it. Uh, Netflix, hint, hint, people be nice to us at some point in life. But yeah, that's um, okay. So back to the back to the matter at hand. So. There's the services that you want. It's what you want to see. And then finding a device that plays all those things. And what we found is um, there tends to be this sort of, And then also performance of that. So that, that's another conflict as well. So um, you have the, the cheaper devices that do some of the stuff, um, but don't play some services, which is a real problem. And then you have the higher end ones like... Um, Let's say the NVIDIA Shield and the Apple TV are the higher end ones. Those are the ones that are at about $150 to $200. They do everything, but they're also priced very expensively. So if you want to put several of these around the house, you're paying a little, a pretty penny. Then you have ones like the Roku, um, Fire Stick, and old school Chromecast that existed. Um, I recently got my hands on the newer Chromecast, uh, which is now has a remote control. The previous version did not have a remote control. Um, so I guess what I want to know, since you guys have experience with this, how's your experience with Roku in the streaming world, experiencing things right now? How, how, how has it been? I mean, I think, you know, I, I've been very positive on Roku on this show for, for basically ever. And it's, it's really the only device I've ever really owned. I mean, I've had an Apple TV that was kind of like a, I, you know, a hand-me-down that I kind of played around with for a little bit and kind of, at that time, it wasn't the right device for me. Um, but I think that um, for all intents and purposes, like I think it, it, it is the device in terms of price point and what's there <clears throat> that is is the right one for me. You know, that said, you know, recently we've talked about the HBO Max stuff, um, you know, not being on some of the platforms, which is definitely... Um, it's not a deal breaker really for me, but it, it is very annoying that that's something that is kind of being withheld from um, certain platforms um, or certain device platforms. But I think just in terms of the price, you know, the performance of the device and, um, you know, something that we, you know, we all run us or Ron and I run a server in our homes like called Plex, which is like a media server. So, you know, devices that allow direct play from uh, your server, like in your home or from anybody that you share your server with, meaning it doesn't have to transcode the file as they're streaming it. So like Plex has a feature where, you know, if your file is a certain format in terms of the way the audio and video is encoded, it can go out to any Roku box and stream direct, which, you know, is a little a little techie, you know, for most people, but it, it is a big factor for me because, you know, if I allow a lot of family and friends to stream stuff from my server, a lot of them have Roku's and, you know, like it's the biggest device on the market currently. So that's a bonus for me is that like, I know that people can watch my server and the content that I share without it really putting a big stress on my hardware, like you mentioned before. So, you know, something that is sub $50, something that you know, has wireless listening opportunity, you know, through the app on your phone, like, you know, you can listen through your AirPods or any other Bluetooth, you know, headset, which I love, Um, you know, and it's something I have like on every TV in my house and it doesn't really um, break the bank. Uh, The HBO Max, you know, how they're getting a little territorial with some of these apps, that is, that is something that if that becomes an issue, that could be a real issue for me. But I mean, the closest thing that I've considered is like, you know, this new, the new Google Chrome or the Chromecast with Google TV that we saw that you're, you're going to probably talk about. Um, but it does seem like if you look across the board, like every device for the most part, especially if you're looking at like 
the price points that they're in, there seems to be a bit of a something missing from each of them, you know, and I'm not sure. And then, you know, you personally weight them, you know, yourself. Like the HBO Max is not a deal deal breaker for me because I can still watch HBO on the device. You know, I can still use the classic HBO app to watch all the HBO content. It's really just the Max originals that I would be limited to, which is, that's where the annoyance comes in. But like the HBO proper stuff is still in the HBO app on Roku, which has kind of been, you know, like the saving piece for me. Um, but yeah, pretty much across the board, like I've, I've been a Roku person from the, from the start. Um, well, actually from the start, but the first thing I had was a WD TV live box when they first started making them. Mm, those were beasts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know, but then when you start putting one in every room, it's like, yeah, I'd rather spend 40, 50 bucks than, you know, 150 bucks personally. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So the, the Roku is kind of where I'm at for the price the performance and just like the footprint that it takes up both with me watching content on, on other platforms and um, the realist, the reality of like me sharing content with family and friends on my own server. Like it's the direct play features a, a big bonus for me, I think. Yeah. What about you, John? What are you, what are you doing in the house? I mean, we, we went right from um, uh, early gen Apple TV before any of this was a, like kind of what you said, Steve, before yeah. it was really that amazing. Like, I don't even remember what we watched on Apple TV except for like Netflix. And then we would pull up trailers right, exactly. <laughs> that were on the Apple site. And, you know, and I was not doing, but I wasn't doing a lot of other stuff, apps, <clears throat> apps and services that I know served content that I, that, that I could have gotten through Apple TV. I just did not do right. it. Um, then we were using uh, PS3s and PS4s to get us through the night, you know, for, for a few years there. And then when we got this LG television that I'm looking at right now, that's a smart television, it's kind of been our main interface for the longest time. But we recently got a Fire Stick uh, so that we could carry it with us and take it on, you know, vacation or take it, you know, move it from downstairs to upstairs, um, depending on where we were kind of camping out. And I like it. I, I, I've been able to get to most of the content kind of the way you said, Steve, you can subscribe to, you can use your HBO subscription through um, Amazon, through, um, uh, you know, different different ways of accessing the HBO content. Right. But um, I also sit down at my desk at my computer that I'm sitting at right now a lot. And so I will watch shows on HBO Max on my computer. Um, and when we watch screeners for the show, I frequently watch it on my computer. So, um, yeah, I think the Fire Stick has been kind of our new thing where I, I like the remote and I like all the things that it does. And I, I mean, it, you know, it's it, we got like the $40 version a, a month or so ago, two months ago, maybe. So it's not maybe the latest, but it's definitely that you mentioned the below 50 as kind of a desired thing. This is a thing I could when we got it and I played around with it, I was like, oh, I could totally see us getting one of these for every television yeah. Uh, yeah. in the house. Yes. OK, so. First thing I'll say is that um, I'm a, I'm an Apple TV guy. I have one in uh, my bedroom. I have one in my living room. I don't mind paying the money, but that comes with a lot. It, it means that like anything you throw at it, it works. All the apps work. Um, any any app that's out is compatible. You can download it or stuff like that. What I've been trying to figure out is can I get a device? I, I prefer first party apps uh, uh, devices. So let me also say that I want a device that is made by the company to function as the first party, the, 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 you know, like, uh, the Google pixel of the, of the, of the devices. So I got the Chromecast and I played with it for exactly eight hours straight. Like almost <laughs> like I literally threw everything at it. And one of the things that I noticed was that, um, I love Google. Um, I love Google. I love the idea of, um, using it in the way that I did. I signed in everything. I signed in a Plex. I signed in a Disney Plus. Signed in the HBO Max. I signed in all these things, and it works really well together. You talk to it, it, it. The more you do, the more it knows. The more it suggests things. And one of the cooler things is, you know, it's first party. So like, you ask it something like, "Man, what was the score of the Ravens game?" It'll tell you that. How many touchdowns did, uh, you know, the the team score in the last game? What's 2,000 divided by five? What's, you know, you can ask this thing anything on top of that. 400. Then, then, I'm just showing off. Here is the issue that everybody runs into. What if the things that are enabled on Chromecast do not work? 
What if I can't find this app? You can sideload it. You can sideload it can, like you can the Fire Stick, but it works particularly well because it's made specifically for an Android device. It's an Android TV device that's made specifically for it. So I was trying to find something that I couldn't find on everything else. And that's, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Xbox is making a cloud gaming service called xCloud that's included with Xbox Live. It's just included in the service. It's on Android. So I was like, let me sideload this thing, see how it works. I synced my Xbox uh, controller to my Chromecast and played a HD Xbox One game on my on my Chromecast. Hmm. And I just say that to say, if you want to go for something that's cheap and works well and has a similar feel to something that you're getting that feels very first party. And I know by that, I mean, like, uh, you don't feel like you're compromising your experience for the for the price point. You can get all the apps. You can get uh, HBO Max, Disney Plus, uh, Netflix. Um, anything that you pretty much want, this is this is the, the, the device for you. I was waiting for something like this to come out that kind of took care of everything and was less than $100. So what that means for me is like, is it going to replace my Apple TV? I don't know. But it is a competitor for real. Like, I, it, it can't... It's not a super powerful machine. Like, it, it if you want to run some high-end 4K stuff, this ain't the device for you. But if you want to run some 4K Netflix, if you want to run some 4K YouTube, Amazon Prime, this is the device for you. It takes care of damn near anything you throw at it. And that's what I've always wanted in a device. So I, I have a, I love it. If, if okay. I could be completely honest, I fucking, I, I, I did not expect to come in to it like loving it the way that I have. And I had a Chromecast before and the device was just kind of mirroring everything. That's another thing. If, you, if you're not in the Apple environment, if you're not super into Apple and you want to do something that shares stuff, throws things to it um you can still do that through youtube you can use youtube to push it to the chromecast there are other apps that work with it as well so a couple things chromecast didn't have a remote before so you would have to it just mirrored things so you would have a you would have like uh youtube you would have hbo go and you would just push the the thing to it but they what they did was they they created a new android tv sort of operating system that's optimized for TVs. That used to be kind of a portion of it used to be on Android TVs. That's a new and improved sort of thing that's honestly very similar to Apple TV. That's very similar to the interface. That integrates everything in a way that works for everything. So like, you know, you sign in, you say, hey, Google Play, this this movie on Netflix, it'll bring it up. Or bring movies that are, that are made by this person it, it'll work. So it, it's something that I just haven't experienced. And I've used all of them in some way, shape or form that I haven't experienced in under one hundred fifty dollars. This is a it's, it's it's a game changer. If they if they market it the right way, this is this is the device, man. This is the one. This is the sweet spot that I was kind of like if somebody's like, Ron, what can I use that I could watch everything for that? I don't want to spend one hundred fifty dollars on Chromecast with with Google TV is it. It's it. It's definitively the device. And it's what? 50 bucks? 50 bucks, man. 50 bucks. I feel like we just did a morning show segment. This is It great. feels crazy. If I feel like I'm, you know, if if Apple comes out with something that's cheaper in this next Apple uh event next week and says like, "Hey, we got a device that's whatever." Apple, that'd be cool Apple too. Apple TV Junior or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's cheap and and you know, it just goes into the USB device. I mean, goes into HDMI device powered by the tv and stuff like that but this is it man this is a cool ass device aaron and i were playing around with it we we're just like hey well, who won the who won the game yesterday the between the lakers and the uh the heat they gave me stats they show pictures of the stuff of the the players the the highest scoring players in each game i don't know man i like stuff like that so like that, that and that's kind of like you're so what you're describing is kind of getting into kind of something that only really i mean 
I guess really the only the the Fire Stick kind of sort of competes with that, like you know, kind of yeah. built into its own AI. So yes, you know, getting the Alexa access on the right, Fire yes. Stick compared to like the Google Home type of ecosystem that is obviously on the Google TV. You know, you're kind of you're 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 kind of bridging a gap between. You know, if your TV's on, in reality, your TV could also be your Google Home. You know, if you're, Absolutely. you know, like I have a Google Home in my kitchen, and like yeah. we'll use it to like check the front door when the doorbell rings. So I have a Google, I have the Hello doorbell. So it's yeah. like, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of consolidating a few other devices in in one, but kind of creating yeah. a real hub of something that most people will probably use more than they use, like a Google Home exclusively yes. like i would use something exactly. like you're describing obviously way more than the thing that i have sitting in my kitchen and it's three times the price of a chromecast with google tv yeah. so you know and it's open man it's open like if you like i said if you if you have if there's an app that you you cannot get in the regular interface you can sideload it which is something that is like super nerdy but it's it's that's the only that's the only thing that I think is the is a negative, like as a real negative of like of it and even like the fire stick, how people kind of do the same thing to that. Like yeah. not that it's a bad thing that you can you know that you know you know how to go about getting the Apple TV Plus app on your Chromecast because it's not yeah. there by default and not available by default. So I think yeah. that's one of the only kind of like barriers for them in terms of and again, it's the same thing. Roku's missing HBO Max, Fire Stick's missing HBO Max, like everything is kind of missing something, but the fact that there's a way to get it is a, is a good thing. But I think it's a bad thing as a product though, because you're not giving it to the person like out of the box. Right. Out of the you box. Know I mean, and it, it, you know, maybe it'll get there eventually. Hopefully it gets there eventually. I mean, I don't, I don't, I really don't understand why, you know, I mean, I do understand why we talked about it on the past episode, but I mean, it's just, that just seems like such a weird, um, sticking point when you can just consider that, you know, people will watch your content like there's a there's a there's a weird thing when i say it out loud where it's like oh roku doesn't want hbo max on there because they can't agree on whose cut is what if somebody signs up for an account through the roku interface okay well the bottom line is that if i get your app and you make it available and i'm watching your show like that's that that's another metric that you're you're capturing from me you know what i mean like you want to be able to report that x amount of people watch the show and if you don't have it in the platform that's available in the most houses in the United States or worldwide, that just seems like a weird decision. Like, and that's probably a big portion of why a lot of HBO Max is reporting. The numbers that they're reporting are nowhere near what, you know, they sh- could, should, or would have been, or, you know, even what they forecasted. Right. Um, Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's just kind of wild to me that in, in this age of everything that we can have, it's just like... There's not a device that literally has it all at the price point we're talking. You know, you mentioned the, the price you mentioned the Apple TV, the Nvidia, like Shield, like those things are there. They're definitely the next step up, you know, like the next level of of what you want to pay for, but right. Um it's good that another thing is coming into the marketplace and the Chromecast has improved because it, you know, as a device I I had messed with that before just as a test and I found it fairly useless for me. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. good that it's it seems to be vastly improved and getting really good reviews on a bunch of the tech sites that I follow. So you know that that is that is hopefully hopefully like a motivation to some of these other devices to continue to improve their interfaces, to improve the UI, the UX, like just trying to like make it um, as much of an all-in-one thing like you just described as possible. You know, and, and that's kind of what you anybody would want to go for, especially if you get it for 50 bucks, you know, like that's just, yes, that's, a, that's an man. amazing thing. If it, if it, people's money, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a tech guy. Like I'm willing to spend a little more money, but think about we're, we're, we're people who have more than one TV in the house, a higher end TV in the house. And you just want to look at 4k stuff for that won't break the bank. Cause you spent the money on the TV, right? So you don't want everything to cost a million dollars to hook it up. Right. That's all. Right. It's not a crazy thing. And I understand right. the idea that you may not want to spend that much money for a device. And this seems to be a cool in between. Like if you if you're like, well, I'm I'm not I'm not I love Apple, but I'm not spending my, that much money. I want right. something that's kind of in between. I want a Google thing. And Google is so useful, man. It's just I don't know. It just runs really well. I'm 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 surprised at how much I liked it. Good. That's good. 
Well, let's talk about maybe some content that we're watching on some streaming services. Um, yes. What is something I, I, I honestly have not discovered a whole lot of new things recently, um, but I was wondering, you know, uh, if anybody has any recommendations before we get to kind of our main our main topic. Um, oh, uh, for the American audience, um, AMC Plus has picked up um, Gangs of London, Gangs of London, and I want you to watch that as soon as humanly possible. Um, we talked about it a little, little bit. And now it's available to an American audience. And I think that uh, AMC Plus works with a lot of um, cable companies, right? I'm, I'm hearing that it's kind of the HBO Max sort of deal. Like, it's a package deal for certain services you can you can sign in the uh, AMC Plus. But um, it's 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 on there right now. So check that out. That's one thing that I'll suggest. What have, what have you guys been watching? Steve, have you, found, have you discovered anything new recently? Yeah, so I was going to say, um, I think I'm... I don't know. I think you may have watched some of it too, John. Maybe, but um, Aaron and I we binged the the new Amazon Prime series Utopia. Yeah, I, I haven't watched. It. I haven't watched much of it, but I lo- I really liked what I saw. I, I loved it. I gotta tell you, man. Yeah. Like we we, I we, it we out. got it. Like you know, we got through it in a few days, and uh, I don't. I just think it's a. I don't know. Like I think it's another like between that and the boys. You know, I think they have like a couple really good shows on the platform, and they're kind of going concurrently. Now Utopia was out as like one of the you know full stop. You can get all the episodes in the day it was released. Where the boys are kind of doing that weekly thing because that is the, that is like their show. Like that's the Amazon Prime show. Like it was newsworthy that this week, like some of the Nielsen reports that came out, that like was the first time that the streaming services like had an entry in the top ten that wasn't Netflix. So like the boys mm-hmm. got up to number three, I think. Um, so that's like a like a legitimate huge success for Amazon. So I, I hope this show is similar, and I hope they have plans for multiple seasons of it. Um, you know, it's it's just a, a great cast. Um, somebody I've always loved, and I feel like I haven't loved recently, which is John Cusack, and um, he was one of my favorite actors growing up, like in high school and college. And uh, haven't really seen him in much, and and if he's in much, it's not really anything that I really liked recently. But uh, he's great in this, I think. Um, as uh, Dr. Kevin Christie and um, just a really great cast. Like, you know, some faces pop up that you recognize. A lot of Rain Wilson's great. Yeah, yeah. Rain Wilson's great. Desmond Borges is good. Um, who, you know, people know him from You're the Worst if you watch that on FX. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just like a really kind of, it's, it's, it's a scary show. You know, like they have the title card coming up at the beginning. Like, you know, this is not based on this current pandemic. Like it has nothing to do with this. Like it's, it's that kind of <laughs> scary because... You know, it's it's just it's 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 a lot of conversation about, you know, the government's role and in, in in response and the science and where it falls and you know the the spectrum of opinions of, on both of those topics, but all of, all of, all inside of the idea of like you know uh, a comic, a graphic novel existing that basically has predicted you know what is happening or or the story that we're following or falling into with these main characters. Uh, a lot of fun little twists and turns, very graphic, very violent, um, which I like, um, you know, because I don't, I don't <laughs> think it's like absolutely gratuitous or just completely like mindless. It, it kind of, I think, serves how extreme some of the story goes and like kind of kind of how dialed up a lot of the story is. But, um, and it ends on a great note. I think it ends like a, a, on a, a bit of a, you know, give me season two, you know, give me more of these characters. Um, you see a lot of character development and characters go in certain ways you didn't expect, which I love kind of catch you off guard a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I loved it. Like I, I really, really was into it and not knowing a whole lot about the production of this version of it, which I know was, uh, I feel a little bitter cause I kind of wish I could have seen the David Fincher version of it, but uh, you know, I think even still, cause this is one that was kind of in development at HBO for a long time and mm. him and Gillian Flynn were, um, adapting it and it kind of fell out because of the budget that they needed or he wanted and kind of yeah. Amazon picked it up. But even still, I think, I think it's a hit for Amazon. I think it's a, a solid show, a nice genre entry. Um, and, and you no, know, it has a pretty nice feel to it as well. It, and it moves at a clip too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely recommend checking it out. Like, it's one of the better things that, you know, I've kind of binged recently, so. Yeah, check it out. I'm a huge fan of the original, man. Like, huge fan. I remember we, uh, we talked about that original a bit when we started this podcast. Like, 
Yeah. You telling me about it's two it. seasons. Yeah. The second, the second one, not quite as good. The first one is like damn near perfect. Right. I remember. So that. when when it, it was brought up, I was like, oh god, I gotta watch it. I gotta sit down and watch it. I'm I'm, a, I can't wait to watch. Yeah, definitely recommend it. Well, we've mentioned Netflix. I'll just mention I watched the uh, the true crime documentary American Murder: The Family Next Door oh, on it. Netflix. And if anyone's wondering, like you know, whenever you talk about one of these now, it's kind of like why this one? Why are we talking about this one? Or what is this one's angle? Why is it different? Because you know, I think we all have a spot in our heart for a certain amount of like. My my wife and I just will call it a murder show. It's like let's find a murder show and watch a murder show. But you know, you also see enough of them that you don't really understand sometimes. Like like why would I watch this one? Uh, you know, but what American Murder does that's really interesting is it it takes a almost a, a to the letter like a a found footage approach yeah. to putting together this story. And by that I mean the the people involved in the story posted a lot of online videos. There's police body cam video, there's courtroom video, uh, there's interrogation room video. It's really interesting how the entire story is put together that way. The only thing that it then does that I think is just a, a flaw, so to speak, if you want to call it that, of uh, true crime storytelling right now, is the way that when you're trying to preserve the twist of what happens in the story, there's a certain amount of, especially from a documentarian standpoint, there's information that you're keeping out of the picture because you want the the wallop, you know, you want the reveal. And sometimes that changes how you tell a story. Uh, and sometimes it makes it feel a little bit more manipulative than it should. But I think somewhere between, I'm sure if you're making a documentary, the, there's a sliding scale between like informative and manipulative. And somewhere in the middle is where people get the most engaged. You know, if it were pure information, I don't think you'd be engaged. But I think American uh, Murder, um, it it really does it really does tell the a kind of story that you can you can tell through this sort of footage and you can see it kind of creeping up on you but therefore it's really only in the very last minutes of it that the true magnitude of what you've been watching uh, hits you and yeah. i don't know it's just it's just an odd thing that the documentary doesn't get much of a chance to deal with those grim facts of what happened because it's all it's all wedged into the last few minutes but as far as the following this footage and getting a sense of something's wrong but we don't know what and and maybe if you know about this story as i did you can kind of see it happening it's it's interesting to see the footage rather than just hear about it on a podcast or or whatever so yeah i I found this to be engaging and interesting and depressing and grim i don't know that i'd recommend it to anybody but i don't know have either of you guys watched american murder yeah i watched it um what did you think ronald do you know what i mean it's like it's interesting yeah, but you end it and you're kind of like i don't know why i watched that like it just kind of made me sad i'm i'm going through this thing about things just feeling a little exploitative um like it's a, it's a terrible situation and 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 you're right towards the end when when you figure out because i i didn't know much about it i wasn't i remember when it was happening i remember people following it and i remember some of the backlash of, of people kind of saying her fate um, was justified because she put her life online and she wasn't, she didn't come up across particularly as a nice person and that justified what happened to her. Yeah, there's a woman who disappeared and and again, she's the woman who I mentioned that posted a lot of online videos. So there's there yep. were a lot of people on social media that had opinions about what had happened to her when she disappeared. So, um, but, but the movie's even called American Murder. So it's like, you know, the whole time yeah. it's like, well, somebody gets murdered. I know if somebody in America gets murdered and it might be this family yeah. next door it's rough man it's a rough watch but it is it is crazy how much access they have it is crazy how much this woman put on online and some of that may have had to do with the fact that um she had an illness that may have made her feel like she this may be her uh you know her testament to you know how well she you know i don't know what do you think steve I haven't seen it yet. I, 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 oh, you I you know, it? we were gonna, we started to watch it yesterday and got sidetracked and couldn't really commit to it. So, yeah, yeah, and we definitely want to check it out. And uh, I basically have heard pretty much exactly what you guys have just described. I've actually heard a couple of critics, like bloggers that I follow, that like, like that loved it, like saying it's one of their, you know, top five movies of the year. So I, I don't wow. know. I just feel like there's such an onslaught of like great documentaries right now, and I mean for obvious reasons. And you know they they've acquired a lot of these films, so it's. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see. I, w- I really want to see that. So yeah, I- I'll probably be checking that out tonight or tomorrow for sure. Cool, cool. It's definitely worth a watch. It, yeah, it yeah. is. It's man. just yeah, it's it's yeah, it's very very grim. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's not not quite as uh, interesting. Uh, but I actually recently watched a documentary about uh, UFC's um, Fight Island. For anybody that doesn't know, um, UFC was one of the first organizations, sports organizations, to function in the midst of COVID. And the way that they did it was they they basically rented out an island and um, created this intense testing system that was pretty much mirrored by the NBA shortly after. Um, it is, it's really interesting to see the process and how uh, the care that went into watching out for people. It's called UFC Fight Island Declassified. I'm a big UFC fan. I like to see people beat each other up. And seeing the care that went into these people's health and everything else was strangely emotional, man. It's like, People, people came from all over the world to to fight, and it's it's interesting. It's, it's and, interesting. and what service is that on? Uh, it is on ESPN Plus. You can watch um, if you want to see just information about it. UFC puts out these like fifteen minute sort of things about uh, the making of the Fight Island and and how it came to be. So, like, I'd say maybe check that out first. See how you feel about it, and if you're interested. Um, you know, do a trial of ESPN Plus. It's like free for a week or something like that. Cancel it after that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's worth watching, man. ESPN Plus is starting to put a lot of really cool original content on it. Steve, have you seen anything else big you want to mention before we before we talk about our our friend over in England? No, I don't think so. Yeah, Joe, I'm, I'm excited to talk about friend of the pod. Yeah, friend of the pod, uh, of the Ted pod. Lasso. So, well, Steve, you're the one who first mentioned the show. I mean, I remember when you mentioned it, I had just seen like the card come up on the yeah. on the uh, Apple TV Plus uh, site, uh, and I love Jason Sudeikis. I think the thing about his energy that's so interesting, from the what up with that dance that he does to uh, you know his take on Joe Biden for a while on SNL, is he has this kind of uh, like he manages to seem upbeat and chipper, and it, there's a little bit of like. There, he can be confrontational with it, and he can be a little airheaded with it sometimes. But there's just something so likable about that guy's vibe and that guy's energy uh, that um, uh, when I saw, oh, he's got a show. I mean, I didn't know anything about it except, oh, he's got a show. I was, oh yeah, Jason Sudeikis should have a show, and he should definitely have a mustache just like that because um, he looks great with it. But I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. Talk a little bit about when you discovered it, and and you know why we want to talk about this show. This this show feels special, and I, I think it's uh, it's it'll be interesting to talk about what it is that's so unique about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like you know, it's one of those things. I remembered seeing the little promo video that they did five, six, seven years ago for this character. And it's so, you know, seeing a trailer when they dropped it for all the reasons you just mentioned it. I remembered that. I remember, you know, obviously I don't forget that I love, love Jason Sudeikis. And I, you know, I like the idea of, you know, most people at least are down for watching the, the, the sports story, the underdog story, whatever, in whatever form it comes in. But I think that's kind of like kind of what baited me for the show. But I mean, watching the first episode, it's, you know, it was really just quickly apparent that it was a lot more than just that. And I think that's one of the biggest assets that it has, which is just that it really does have a lot of um, a lot of those tropes that are in the sports motivational underdog stories. And it, it does a real, it does a lot to kind of either expand on them, make them feel a little different or kind of just like flip it on its ear in certain situations. In the broad strokes, it reminds you of a few things where, oh, oh, this person was hired by someone who didn't believe in them and didn't think they could do this job. And then you see how they handle that job. Right. Uh, in, in a nutshell, that's what it is. It's a fish out of water story of a guy who goes to England to run a soccer team. And we find out he doesn't know anything about soccer yeah but yeah that's that's the concept and you're right it totally maps in a sense it's that underdog sports story but there's still something about the comic energy of the show that is different from from the average sports show in my opinion it's just so innocent and positive i think you know every character you know when they get their moment of of comedy or levity or just like lightheartedness it's just they're even when they're joshing around with one another it's like there's not really a lot of true negative intent there's no there's not like a lot of you know, some of the characters, a handful of characters are, you know, kind of the bad guys or gals of the story, but it's just like, you know, 
you, you see the way that the comedy or the positivity even goes up against those forces and makes the situation light even in their midst. So I think that's just something that you take away from the show or watching the show. You just feel like, or at least I felt like, you know, even going, you know, as simple as the show is, it, it is just a reminder of like, you know, never assuming negative intent and like, you know, thinking of all of his run-ins with characters that are just so mean and negative to him, you know, he's just such a positive person. And, you know, in most cases, uh, you know, it's, it's a situation where he wins these characters over or at least, at least earns their respect or at least, at least earns a moment for them to maybe acknowledge that they completely misunderstood or misread this person, this character, this, this, this train of thought or this, approach that this person takes um but yeah i don't know like i think uh you know the whole idea about you know kind of being hired to fail like it kind of reminds me a little bit of like you can pull all these different stories from different sports stories i think it's kind of what makes it work so well is it doesn't commit to really any one thing you've seen before but it's kind of a mashup of others and and its own thing entirely but kind of like in major league you know how an owner that wants to see the team fail and like the joy that they get from it but um it's it's really just such a great cast of characters, and I mean we'll talk more, but just like you know, kind of looking down the roster and seeing you know that some of the characters in the show are like involved in writing the show, and you know Bill Lawrence's involvement, he's a very successful and has brought a lot of great comedy, you know, to network TV to streaming services, and I think this is like probably one of the best he's done, um, but it really does come down to just a great idea, great character, and the idea of just you know taking this fish out of water story and just kind of showing how this character can really kind of change everything around him and not be intimidated by how different everything around him is. And that's just like, that's just such a positive thing in this world. Like you mentioned at the top of the podcast, Ron, like figuring shit out every day because this world is kind of crazy right now. Yeah. So the timing was great. And I think that's why people are loving this show. Like it's, it's already been picked up for another season and I think they have it planned as a three season show. But, um, it's just something that is so easy and fun and one of those things you just look forward to. It's almost like a weekly reset for me of like, God, that show is so good and it made me feel great and I can't wait to feel this way again next Friday or, you know, next season, whatever it is. But yeah, it's just such a great show, like up and down and across. It's just perfect. What about you, Ronald? <clears throat> um, Yeah, I think, I think we all need something that helps us kind of see the the good in people and uh i think i guess i kind of think about it like this when you come into the world as a little kid you know your experiences and what people tell you can really kind of dull your senses it can make you sad and weird and untrusting of people and i like to really trust people and love them and sometimes when i see you know just it's a tv show it's light but you see that in people you you're reminded of the things that you love about people and some of it is like you can you can connect with a lot of people even if you don't agree with them um you know you can when faced with an obstacle you can process it and and keep it moving you could um, you know, assign yeah, worth to people who don't consider themselves worthy of uh, of responsibility and stuff like that. It's 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 your responsibility to see good in people, and that energy will be transferred on. And I really try to practice that. But Ted Lasso is a version of that 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 is so inspiring so he's a ninja he's a positivity he, ninja he is <laughs> when you think that somebody's gonna come and beat him up he just flips him over and kisses him on the cheek and helps him up it's a weird thing man like it's just a thing that i've always loved about people there's only one person on earth that i know that moves around like that and when she does that i can't understand it um and I just aspire to it. So it's 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 one of the best shows I've ever seen in my human life. And uh it's yeah. So that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I think the funny thing about Ted Lasso as a character um is that 
and even for the first few episodes, he's he almost floats above it in this way that he feels like, oh, he's a little silly or he's a little, there's a comedy aspect to him yeah. that makes him, and again, I think when we first started talking about it, I said, it's not like he's Mr. Bean or Pee Wee Herman or anything, but he does bring out this side of people. And you feel like people that come into contact with him, you know, those scenes in a Pee Wee movie where he's like going down the street and everyone's like, hi, Pee Wee. You know, you get this sense that Ted Lasso would get to know everybody yeah, in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But within a few episodes, they add this element to him that changes is that he's not a cartoon character he's a real guy um, who's dealing with real drama in his life and he's dealing with it with maturity and trying to be a good guy but you sort of see how his attitude and his commitment to things almost could be something that works against the happiness of his marriage or his relationship or something you get a hint that like his personality type this guy who can go for broke and throw himself into stuff right. that it might maybe it maybe it makes him a little aloof or maybe it makes him a little emotionally unreachable to somebody because he's so, trying so hard to be this thing but what i think that does is once you get that depth added after that i mean he goes through some sort of dark night of the soul stuff in the in the season but it makes his positivity mean even more because you realize he's a guy who's going through his own personal drama and he still, when someone confronts him, he turns around and he deals with that situation with fairness that doesn't have, he doesn't, he doesn't overreact. There's maybe a couple of moments where he like snaps at somebody because he's bitter about something else. And I believe he apologizes for those moments. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he yeah. actually he like says, I'm sorry, I was rude earlier. Oh, totally. I mean, I don't know when the lead character on one of these shows, you know, we get so many anti-heroes these days. Yeah. The idea that Walter White would stop and be rude would stop and apologize for being rude to somebody is is wouldn't happen. Right. And I think Ted Lasso, it, they seem to be smart enough to know, oh, no, this is the show where the guy says, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Or where the guy says, you know, this is, I'm just trying to get through this. The part in, in this season where somebody says something to him that could destroy the relationship, could destroy everything, and he forgives them, um, I found that so powerful. And I think that moments like that are really amazing that they were able to cook them up throughout the season, almost every episode has a moment that would get me. In the middle of chuckling at stuff, I would get that heartstring tug and go, oh man, this, yeah, you're right, Steve, it is that burst of positivity yeah. that you kind of find yourself looking for. And it's similar to the way I felt when I was watching Shit's Creek uh, last year. It was like, oh, this isn't like airheadedly positive. This is like a certain kind of positivity where people in the end care about each other. And so you, you, it robs you of a certain kind of comedy that you can only get with misanthropic approaches to people. But it 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 lets you access this other thing that's like almost right. as good as a belly laugh, right. which is like just feeling good, um, and maybe better than a belly laugh in the end. But uh, yeah, uh, no real villains on this show. Even the even the people that are the heavies, you sort of get where they're coming from. Um, uh, the biggest villain I can think of is the former owner of the team. Played oh, by man. Anthony Stewart Head uh, from Buffy. And even he, in the last episode, has a moment of purity where you see him watching the game and he's into the game. And you're like, well, I can't even really hate this guy because he cares about the team, too. You know, like even in that, you know, it's, it's, uh, they did that with every character. My favorite turnaround like that, I'm sure we could all name one, but Roy Kent was my favorite turnaround. Oh, I, I started off so thinking good. he was going to be deeply unpleasant. And within a couple episodes, I was like, oh, no, that guy's got heart, too. You know, what did you, what did you guys think? Who was sort of your favorite surprise uh, sweetheart? <clears throat> Roy, Roy's one of my favorites. Um, and randomly, the guys in the pub. Yeah, mm. yeah, the guys. Yeah, are, it's yeah. some. There's something about, you know, you meet people and they kind of irk your soul, and you're just like, I cannot handle how terrible you are. And then you're like, I'm, a, I'm gonna make these people like me. And then you just come in and you you don't change your behavior, just nice to them. And they're like, what what is happening right now? I'm being kill them with kindness. Doing a <laughs> yeah, kill them with kindness. You're and, being lassoed. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. But Roy, Roy Kent is is intensely funny, man. No, his no his his grumpiness is funny. Like the yeah. part where they're walking in and they're doing the red carpet thing, and he's walking past the photographers just Flipping them off, saying no, 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 no. <laughs> and Keely, obviously, Ke yeah. I like Keely no, too. No, man. she's terrific. And and honestly, the way she plays, there's like a love triangle that I feel like progresses in a way that I don't know that I've seen a love yeah, triangle pro progress, where everybody yeah. has to kind of be a grown up and just and, sit at the and, same table, <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. 
it took a lot of tropes in TV shows and just turned them on their head. Like the the part where you're like, this is the end of this situation. This is the end of this conflict. This this end. This, this is gonna blow up. You you get a, an answer and a response that just is different. And and I think that's that may have been the key. They may have had a web of possibilities. Right. And then for every time that it seemed like it was going to be a trope, they're like, nope, this is not going that way. We figure out a way to go around this. And his character is is solid. It's, he's almost like he's like Captain America and Superman, the way that their values are their values. And that's it. Right. And everybody has to work around it. Well, everybody meets them and thinks they're corny, and yes. then within a minute is going, damn it, yeah. they just helped me. <laughs> yeah. Or no, yeah. they just looked me in the eye and said something true, or I just witnessed them not be full of shit. Yeah. You know, I think that's the yeah. big thing, is that people meet Ted Lasso and they think, this guy's got to be, what's his game? He's an idiot, or he's a, <laughs> he's a liar. And then they see him in action, and he ha- he pulls through, and he is a little bit of the, I don't care if we win or lose kind of guy, so he could be just a, a loser in, in as far as like the statistics are concerned, you know? Yeah. But the, he does have have moments there's like a, a moment in the pub where he he's playing darts where he he shows a little moxie but i mean he picks his moments to yeah. kind of to sort of show what he's capable of and you sense that he knows people underestimate him and he's okay with that and in fact he kind of likes that um uh, we were midway into the season at one point when nikki said he's like andy griffith on the andy griffith show <laughs> and it was like good... yes that's a great comparison because andy griffith always knew what someone needed to do and tricked him into doing it in a way that they felt it was their idea, right, you know? Right, right, It was the gentlest form of, like, character-based comedy. And I feel like this is another show where it's not quite that, like, genial. But it does have that aspect of when he comes in and talks to a character almost without fail, it's he's there to build that other character up or to say something that helps them. Yeah. Um, the fact that they have a plan for two more seasons makes me wonder if some of the relationships or some of the entanglements will get a little bit more fraught as they go into a second season, like knowing they have another season, hopefully, to, to tell the story, so to speak. But if they just play in this tone of like people trying to do what's right by each other and, and you gradually add to your team of people that you like, like uh, uh, Rebecca, who the boss, who seemed like she was going to be the heavy of the show, she's yeah. another person that like... You instantly kind of see what motivates her, and she has she has pathos, and very quickly that that trades in actual storyline. Like she actually gets time to to show you that she's she's you know she's more than than the villain you might have thought. Um, Full disclosure: have a real crush on her. Like she's she's just a really cool dynamic character. You remember who she was? She was in Game of Thrones, right? She was Septa Unella on Game of Thrones, who was like, the shame, shame. She was someone we hated on that show. Um, But she's great on this, too. No, I agree. And the guy who plays Higgins, he's he's got a great... Oh, Higgins! He's got a couple of grace notes, too. I mean, even background characters that you think, oh, that character's there for a joke. Um, they have a moment like Sammy, the guy on the team who's just so upbeat. He's got a couple of fantastic moments. Uh, even with us describing it, it's the kind of thing where you will know within a few minutes, like if, that, if it's your cup of tea, because I feel like that's another thing this show does is very confidently from the first episode, it steps out of the gate with that tone. Um, and like it didn't have, didn't take much time to develop. It seems like it was pretty, pretty fully formed. Maybe that's because of that Bill Lawrence pedigree, Steve, someone who's developed so. television yeah. before. Yeah. They, they knew what they had. And also Brendan Hunt, who's a character actor, I'm sure many of you might recognize. Um, he's been in a lot of little roles, but he is sort of the co-creator of this show and he's, he's Ted's best friend. Um, that's, a great performance, like a really subtle uh, performance from him. What's the name of their group of guys when they come up with their little support group? What do they call themselves? The Wolves of something or the... Do you know what I'm talking about? Nate comes up with the name. Yeah. The, oh, oh, yeah. Um, oh, God, what was it? Diamond Diamond Dogs. The Diamond Dogs, right. <laughs> I just remember the scene where he... I love... There's a scene after they make this friend... You know, they, this group of friends who are going to support each other. Yeah, yeah, Later yeah, in yeah. that episode, he calls the Diamond Dogs to his office. And I love how everybody just comes in from whatever they were doing. Like, even Higgins, you get a sense that he just dropped <laughs> he what he was waiting, doing and came in there. Waiting for it. That's just so... I mean, again, it's so heartwarming. I don't know what it is about watching people become friends when they when they take their time with it. It's so rewarding to see, like... In the case of, like, a character like Nate, who, like, you see him believing in himself more and more because of... Ted Lasso, um, no, that loyalty is so sweet, and all those that, that the Diamond Dogs are all great, great yeah. characters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a point to be said that we're talking about like five to six characters already mentioned, and we haven't even mentioned some that are just genuinely great, memorable, 
if this show has a great second and third season, like these will be characters that I know I'll be referencing, talking about for a while. Yeah. You know, yeah. you mentioned Nate, Absolutely. like, you know, just like goosebump moments, you know, in this show that he has, you know, as, as somebody just coming out of his shell and finding confidence and just how they nurture that with him as a coach, as a team, even the owner gets in on it. Like just watching that character kind of just develop his own confidence and like his ability as a, you know, as a fan of the sport, um, you know, it's just that kind of stuff is just amazing. But, you know, I, I just want to circle back real quick. I, I think one of the standouts is Roy Kent. I mean, you guys said it. I just want to agree. And I mentioned earlier, like, he's he's actually one of the co-writers of the series also. Um, I think he um, just has, like, I, I don't really know that actor or that writer very. I don't know that I've ever seen him before or anything. But just, you know, he's kind of like that that force on the team that is, like, the ultimate challenge for Ted or, you know, is set up to be. So like that's like a litmus to really kind of measure the the effect that a person like Ted Lasso can have on a team like this or have in the sport of you know football and um you know as you see his character change and you know kind of warm up or go cold on Ted whatever the situation calls for you know it's kind of a good measure of like the impact that that character as Ted Lasso is having on this football club you know and I think just where you see Roy Kent like genuinely moving moments you know like seeing his vulnerability as a as a man as a character as a soccer player or a football player um in those final you know two three episodes are just uh he's hilarious in the show and um Mm -hmm. such a dry humor so just such a really really good performance and i just loved like his you know one of his final scenes in the in this season is just like just perfect so good yeah yeah yeah, it's just a, man, just a phenomenal show. Like I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that we all came across it and were able to talk about it and watch it. And um, I really have been recommending it to literally anybody I know that has Apple TV. Uh, plus, just because I don't know, I don't know how you couldn't like this show. Like I feel like it hits. The sports thing is not a prereq at all. Like that's something I've I've managed to talk a few people beyond that were a little concerned with. And like, you know, it is not something you need to understand. Like John said, like, I don't know anything about, you know, football, like British football or European football. Like I just, it's not important. And like, you know, you learn about it enough that you need to know as the show goes on for where it matters in the story. But it is such a great show and it's so positive. And I know we keep saying that word and just like uplifting, optimistic, like, but again, like, let's just do that. Like, let's have more of that. Like, let's talk about that more because it's just, it's, it's, it's good for everybody, I think. And, uh, yeah, God, such a good show. It, it even finds a way to end the season. These sports movies, sports shows, sports stories always have that question of like, are they champions? Are they losers? Do they win the big game? Do they lose the big game? Is there even a big game? Is this about whatever? They do a great job, I think, of handling that kind of arc. You you sense something coming that is big at the end of the season, and in the end, the way it plays out has a lot more to do with character relationships Absolutely. that we care about. So good. Yeah. And even Jamie, who is a bit of a, if there again, is another character who could be a villain, his predicament is one that makes you feel for the guy just a little bit. You sense you sense the guy inside who's trying to be a better person and who's who is, you know, being led astray by one thing or another. So I don't know. I, I think that that as, yeah, the sports aspect almost would be a turnoff for me. Um, and it it didn't have that problem at all. Like yeah. it, it was very much about the jokes and the character. And if anything, it's fueled by not knowing about, uh, uh, you know, European football um, because that's what Ted Lasso's point of view is. He's constantly learning the terms. And I love the way uh, his buddy... Um, Coach Beard. I love the way he just, especially in the early episodes, he's just constantly very dryly uh, kind of educating Ted <laughs> yeah. on some some verbiage or something, you know? Yeah. I love the the ongoing joke about tea being tasting like dirt. Because, man, for the longest That's time... That's the I one prob- thing he's negative about, really. Yes, it tastes like dirt. Uh, he's like, I, come on, you guys, it's a joke, right? You guys, you guys can stop. <laughs> yeah. I was like that for a really long time, man. I, I can relate to that so much. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great show. I'm glad that we all kind of collectively think it's one of the better shows we've ever seen. It's just it's just a great show. 
And you can yeah, the whole season's out now, so you could you could go sign up for a trial or something. Yeah, that weekly dose was cool, yeah. but watching it all at once, like if if you like this show, you will probably watch it in one night or something. Oh, this is the yeah, kind of yeah. thing where you'll be like, ah, oh, one more, come on. Well, I got to see what happens right. now. You know, right. there's just enough of a of a plot line that you will want to see the next episode when one ends. So there's ten episodes of Pure Joy on Apple TV Plus. If that's something that <laughs> interests you. And it's going to make you want to eat shortbread cookies, yeah. too. It's going yeah. to make it you want to eat shortbread. Is there anything else you guys want to throw out real quick? Or I think I'm good. Was there, any, was there anything that came up this week? Like, Oh, basically, real quick, a little news item to, to end the show on. We talked a little bit about um, basically like no movies coming out this year. Yeah. Oh, everything got shifted. Yeah, so yeah, let's everything. just end the podcast on a positive note, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the holdouts. I would say yeah. Dune yeah. Dune and Bond were the big holdouts, yeah. and they and they, they moved. So, so when now. have they been moved to? So we can it's basically paint a, a picture. Okay. Right. I think Bond is moving up to what's, I think it was what it was initially supposed to be, which was like April or May of 2021. Yeah. And then, yeah, Dune is basically next year, West Side Stories next year, which moved a little earlier. But um, but Bond was the one that I think a lot of exhibitors were holding on to for around, you know, the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and to the point that literally within hours of them moving Bond, uh, like Regal, a branch of Cineworld, like they basically said, as of, I think, the day before this podcast will come out, like, Regal cinemas, you know, are temporarily or are closing again because there's That's 543 really, locations. Right. Yeah, there's, no, there's no, you know, there's no incentive financially to to stay open to have operating costs, overhead, employees. It's horrible to hear that. Like, it's just the the idea of all those people out of jobs again is just frightening. Um, yeah, and I feel terrible. for anybody in that situation. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the reality. The writing's there already. It's just like one by one, these these blockbusters, these temples just move away. When you see something like Tenet, just continually, I mean, it's you know making a million or two every week, but it's because it's the only thing there. And, yeah. And um, you know, outside of what it's doing worldwide, which is kind of getting it sort of to a break even point, but Tenet will 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 lose money. Um, it was a it was I think it was a failure, and I think you know every studio that saw what happened to Tenet. It it just was inevitable that this this is not this is not ideal. This is not uh, a, a landscape to release. You know, it, like you know, the opinion of this pod in general is like to be opening movie theaters in general at all right now. But I mean, to be releasing blockbusters at a time like this in theaters that are not open everywhere, um, not open in major markets, not open to any kind of capacity that would even probably bring in box office receipts that would net anybody profit. Um, right. But yeah, it's just kind of crazy that it, it does seem like it's the reality now. It's like AMC and Cinemark have came out this week and said that they plan to, you know, continue operations as as is. Um, you know, there's only I think I think I I've, I've read there's only like three movies still slated for release this year that are like studio releases, not like indie or or you know like. Uh, re-releases but like it was like that the freaky movie from blumhouse um the crudes that that's the vince vaughn slasher flick mm-hmm. um uh, the crude sequel which is also universal and then there was one more that i that they said but the unique thing about the them staying open for freaky and for crudes is that like that's universal that's the whole they c- can be in theaters for like two weeks and then go to vod and that agreement you know, a part of that agreement that allows them to put it on VOD, you know, those exhibitors get a take of that VOD money still. So I think that's probably an incentive for them to try to hold out if, if that's what their plan is. Because, you know, if Crudes or Freaky ends up making money or goes to VOD and makes money like AMC and Cinemark, like they, they get a share of that still. It's a small share, but mm. it's something. And it's money I, I think they need it, but... I'd be curious if that even sticks, man. I don't know. Uh, there's only like yeah. two or three that are hanging on still, and and I don't know if that'll be the case. But, and that's kind of like the full circle of Bond. Like you and Bond ends up going back to the, you know, it, it's like been fighting off this delay. You know, like other other studios did around the same time that Bond, you know, was supposed to come out in April, and you know, movies like Fast and the Furious Nine and all these things were like, yeah, we're gonna just do it next year. Like we're not fucking around. Like, right. and then ultimately here's Bond now saying like. Yeah, we're not coming out till April or May. Like that's just that's the reality. It's like that's what it ended up being. And some studios that 
you know, kind of played it safe and went that route. Like, you know, they haven't had to market a movie two to three times in, in this cycle. Like they've slowly been trying to do for bond. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible landscape for, for something that we love dearly, but it's be interesting to see what comes out on the other end of it. Yep. Same. Yeah. But yeah, so let's go back to that Ted Lasso feeling that we had a minute ago. <laughs> you know I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate you. <laughs> that, 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 that's like one of the, yeah, that line is so good. He's, I love him. But yeah, I'm sure Ted would find some positivity in this, so let's all try to do the same. Hey, yeah. we're we're home, we're safe, we're healthy. Absolutely. We're Everybody's right. having a good as good of a life as you can right now, so that's that's a good thing. So we'll keep doing that. Cool, man. Well, you guys have anything else you want to mention real quick before we wrap up? Not I. No, no. Okay, cool. No. Movieshmovie.com is the website, Facebook.com slash movieshmovie. Um, we've got a couple cool episodes planned in the coming weeks. I'm not sure exactly how they'll line up in terms of when we release them but over the next month or so um we'll, we'll be doing some more interviews with some filmmakers um from some movies coming up i'm not going to drop anything now but uh you'll hear about it probably in the next episode um but yeah um if there's anything you want to try to make sure we check out or something that you've seen a great show a great movie on whatever platform you're watching on on Comment on the Facebook post for when this episode drops. Let us know so maybe we can talk about it next week. And we'll probably be watching uh, Haunting of Bly Manor to talk about yeah, next time yeah, too. Yeah. So if anybody out there oh, wants yeah. to kind of we'll watch along and and talk and listen to us and know what we're talking about, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll probably drops, be talking about yeah. that next time. That drops the day this, this episode this episode comes, comes out. out. Right, yeah, the ninth. Cool. So um, if you subscribe to the podcast, as always, please leave a review, star rating, share button if it's there. Send it to a friend, maybe two, maybe three. Um, we'd appreciate it. Uh, but one's okay, too. You don't need to do three. If One's, one's acceptable. Um, but thanks in advance for that if you do, really. Uh, but as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.